electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Carter Worth, and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast, Bitcoin burning investors again today, falling nearly 10% back below 14 grand. Legendary tech investor Roger McNamee says the dramatic price swings are far from over. He'll be here. Plus, the chart master says one stock that's down more than 70% from its all-time high could be a screaming buy in the new year. He'll give us a name. And later, Apple apologizing for its battery issues just moments ago and lowering the price for replacement batteries. We've got all the details. But first, we do a little dumpster diving with some of this year's biggest losers. We're talking names that may have been in the gutter. Under Armour, General Electric, Chesapeake, all down more than 40%. TripAdvisor, Allergan, Chipotle getting hammered in this as the Dow closed at another record high today. So... Are any of these stocks worth buying in the new year, or should they remain in the dumpster, Tim? Um, this is tough because, again, if, if, if you're a technical guy, Carter probably has a view on this more than I do. But once momentum is broken, it's very difficult to break with some of these guys. Some of them, are, some of they are in industries that are challenged. I think TripAdvisor's got some secular headwinds. Somebody like Chipotle is, I think, at least poised to possibly turn around. The valuation was always terrible, meaning it was always traded rich, and it deserved it. It's now trading around 1.3 EV to sales, which puts it at a massive discount. I know they've got some fresh issues in California. They've made a CEO change. Fast casual, I think, still works, uh, although rising labor costs. That would be the one where I think you have a quicker fix than you have in some of these other places. What's your view overall on, on going dumpster diving? Yeah, I don't ever do it. Yeah, that's I, I, I really don't ever do it. But looking at that list, I can tell you this. <laughs> I'm just going to visual of Pete. <laughs> like going in. Oh, I've done li literal dumpster diving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, many times. Right, just, As a matter of fact, the Yuletide yeah. feels pretty good next Thank to you, you right now. Yeah, well, um, I will I tell you this. Yeah, it's a thing of beauty. That is well, no, that. 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 First, first things first. Can we get Mary Duffy on the phone? I think we have a, a wardrobe malfunction over here. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I just, we have to be very clear. Oh, he looks very, dude, by the way, you're not 25. Okay. So the hemp line from Rag and Bone <laughs> doesn't really work. Can we go back? I'll come back. I'll come back. Other, other other that, you know, on a chilly day, that fire is really nice. nice. Warming you up. Thank you. Under Armour, I think, has enough problems that it's going to take a while to get this thing fixed. I think the competition that they've got right now, it's not just Nike, but obviously Adidas. And they're trying to grow in the shoe area, and they're trying to grow internationally, all of that. And I think it's very, very difficult. Nike's winning mm -hmm. internationally. Here in the United States, it's Adidas who's winning. So the problem for Under Armour is they really have the two behemoths on top of them right now, and they can't get anywhere. So that one I would not go for. Allergan's pretty interesting to me. I think Brett Saunders is a very interesting CEO. They have had nothing but struggles the entire year. One problem after the other. Trades in a 10 PE. If well, the pipeline ever comes through. that ugly chart, though? PE. Well, I like the pipeline. And if, if, okay. if the pipeline can deliver, this is a company that I think would be over $200 very rapidly. So, I mean, look, as a technique thing, and this is important, you spoke to momentum. Stocks that have momentum up, they also have momentum down. Once you're in a yeah. downward momentum slope, it's Ooh. very hard to stop that. So the issue is, um, if you're going to dig around the dumpster, it's better to wait for something to have at least started to bottom. And that's the, the principle of digging Any around. of those have that look? 
Not so much. Yeah. But there is Do one. they have momentum to the downside? Oh, well, sure. There's I mean, more losses I mean, to be incurred? Chipotle has been basing and if you for, think about for it, six months. The, the issue is when you're really weak, it's either idiosyncratic, right, like a right. Chipotle has a problem right. or a footlocker, or it's thematic, right? And most of the stocks either have that or thematically energy leads the list of losers. But that's sure. not specific to the companies. You know, uh, GE is really interesting to me because the opening tick of the year on January 3rd was the high of the year. And the stock's down 45%, and it looks poised, poised to close on the low, low of the year. Yeah. And let me tell you something. If you took the S&P chart, it's the exact opposite. The opening tick of, for the S&P was on January 3rd, the opening tick at 9.30, okay? And now it looks poised to close. <laughs> so to me, it just seems like um, you're, you're literally putting your finger up in the wind on that one. It will ultimately bottom at some point, somewhere in the teens likely, you know, that sort of thing. And at some point, you're going to have you take a five-year outlook. It's going to be above 20 again. Or well, something. so I have, I have a small position in yeah. GE. I entered somewhere around 20 bucks. It, it doesn't really hurt me, although I have to say I don't think, see things changing anytime soon. And the irony for GE is they get crushed by this tax bill. These are guys that have had uh, effective tax rates. Uh, I think they were about 5% in 2017. 5%. They will be. Uh, last year they were minus 4. Think about what GE <laughs> Capital does uh, with moving money around the world and their ability to navigate tax loopholes. They have offshore subsidiaries. These guys are going to have a, a, a tax hit on their offshore cash, which is going to leave them with a tax bill of about $9 billion. And this is a company that people are having, you know, concerns that they can pay the dividend. So um, uh, having said that, the street's got these guys at a buck in earnings next year. So what, what multiple do you want to put on it? If you want to put a 15, it's a $15 stock and you got some ways to go. Um, otherwise, if you think things like Baker Hughes are actually uh, on an upswing and that their, their energy assets are cheap, which I do, um, and they don't have to sell them here, that's kind of the reason for playing long term. You know, Mr. Wonderful today was talking about the fact that he's selling Kevin GE, O'Leary. right? And he thinks this thing's still overvalued. It's probably a $13, $14, $15 stock from here. So I, I tend to agree with him. I don't want to try to buy the bottom in this thing because right. I, I still think it goes lower. And I think for a lot of the reasons that you point out, Tim, in terms of some of the issues that they have and the extent of the time. Quick question for, Car- for you, though, Carter. Sure. ExxonMobil, absolute different stock versus Chevron this year in terms of performance. So it's not a dumpster necessarily, but is this one that is starting to show that upward well, curve that's right. that you're talking energy about? Energy in general, right, has has the long and protracted uh, decline, and then there's that basing element, which at least tells you that maybe the rate of descent has not only abated, but actually it's starting to do a new a new change to the upside. Mel, can I take this conversation in a little different direction? Oh, so, what direction you know, would that be, Dan? And you are. Like, <laughs> and you are. Because you already have by extrapolating a family, you know, like so so okay. TripAdvisor's on that list, okay? Yes, so there's it a is. stock that's down 25%. I almost want to extrapolate that break there out to Priceline and Expedia, which are still up on the year, except for the fact they act really badly, they look really badly. So they're about to break as well. They you're look saying. like they could be very similarly, you know, going mm-hmm. to that bottom right hand corner, especially because there were fundamental gaps on massive volume and they act very poor relative to tech in general. Are they well, shorts in your view? Well, they, they could be. So the, to, to me, they just don't have any bounce as the S&P just grinds higher in the year end. So that's how I'm extrapolating. All right. Well, speaking of uh, losers, as we have been nice. the whole six minutes, um, one stock has been at a decade-long lo- low, but the chart master over here says you're not. It's about to make a major comeback. So why don't you head over to the plasma yeah, card or break here. it down? We've got, talk about a dog here. This thing, uh, we're going to look at potash. I mean, obviously, almost at the 09 lows. But the key is, instead of being in a straight down into the right, you've got something that's, that's basing. So I just want to put this in perspective. First of all, as bad as it is, this is still a tremendous winner long term. So I've got you three things here just to make a comparison. S&P in blue, Boeing, and Johnson & Johnson, going back to 1990. Now, let me just put in potash to make a point blows them away, meaning as bad as it's been, and we know that it's, it's having peaked from way up here, 
it still long term has delivered results that are three and four times the market and better by doubles and triples to some of the great names like Boeing and J&J. All right. So now here's the 10 year spread. I mean, this is pretty optically clear. You're talking about an S&P that's done this and you're talking about a stock. So it's got an issue. The question is, watch this, this basing, where is this occurring? Next chart. This basing is happening almost precisely at its financial crisis low. That is a critical thing, meaning it found a reference point and for the last two, three years has been putting on a fight. Let's drill down in and a little closer to this period right here. It's also not only just at the lows, we've started to break above the downtrend line in effect since the stock was up at 78. Keep going. Here is the base. Now that is very developmental. It's not impetuous, meaning it's not a V. V's typically fail. It's a nice U. So whether you look at it like this and see the base that it is, or if you draw lines like this, either way, the presumption is higher. I think you've got a lot of uh, potential here, and this is the kind of thing, if you're going to dumpster dive, wait for at least to stop going down. I think that's the situation right here. Carter comes back, right? Uh, I think he has to. Okay. Bring in a chart. Oh, like Almost forced to. What, 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 what would you do with that empty seat? And he's still talking. Uh, <laughs> All right, move Dan over well, here. Yeah, that's best. Still talking. Put him out on the chair. Doesn't Potash fit into your global synchronized growth sort of story? It fits into a lot of things, and, and it fits also into, into asset bubbles. I mean, think about Potash was basically Bitcoin in 2005. I mean, Potash was trading at yeah. over 600 bucks a ton. No one even knew what it was, uh, and obviously this is what was going on. And you have the cyclicality of the food industry, the global food trade, which is one that also has been on its knees. The recovery in, in ag, to me, is, is the laggard in the commodity space. I stay with it. In fact, I think conditions have improved a lot. Analysts have been so cautious on the space. Mosaic's a name I own. I actually own it from about 28, 29 bucks, so I'm underwater on this trade. Uh, but it's a company that I think is doing things differently. Like the old guys, the, the ag producers are doing things differently because they've had to. They're better run companies. Can I do a would you rather? Sure. Mosaic potash right now in terms of charts and the whole thing. Because the charts look similar. And I like Mosaic. You know what, Tim? No, well. Well, that's fine. But no, you know what looks identical, too, is Freeport. Meaning that's the nature of a bottom. Right? Although that's breaking, and right? It's breaking out. Breaking out. And so, so too, is potash. Actually, and CF is pretty good, too. I mean, I think the group is working. Wait, so what did you say CF. about Mosaic? I like Mosaic. Oh, like Mosaic I, I like potash, but CF, too. What did you do today, Dan? Um... I did something in the name that, you, Mel, you can't do this to me. We're going to talk. It's my power pitch. So it's usually where you ask your questions. It's a bit long. It's a bit long. All right. All right. <laughs> well, Pete. I added to FCX again today. Uh, monster paper, we can probably talk about more about that later. But this thing is on an absolute breakout. We just talked about that. Trimmed a little bit of Pepsi today. Took off a little bit of Wells Fargo because that has been absolutely screaming off the lows when the world hated that name. I had some calls in there. I wanted to get out of there and added ExxonMobil because of what we were talking about earlier. I think this that's is a name why that's, asked. yeah. Well, I wanted to know what he thought. Chart wise, yeah, yeah. How about you, Tim? Uh, emer emerging pops, you know, a little over one percent early in today's session. Fading some of that. Faded a little bit more U.S. steel. Faded a little bit more in the in, in some of the commodity space. In fact, I sold a little bit of Freeport a couple of days ago. So I'm not hmm. selling these positions out. But I, I think there's been so much strength in the year end on low volume. I think I'm going to get them back early. Oh, and uh, real quickly, I, I actually last week I bought some Finisar and I actually sold it today for a small loss. One of the reasons why I like that Apple deal, the stock rallied like 30% and came all the way back in. I bought it above 21. It really acts poorly. And my big short right now is SMH. That's what I'm sticking with. So I'm out of the finish. All right. Coming up, if you think the Bitcoin roller coaster is crazy now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Legendary tech investor Roger McNamee will be here to tell us why he thinks 2018 price swings could be even more dramatic. Plus, 
Apple saying, I sorry. Haha, get it? I sorry. For slowing down its iPhone moments oh, yeah. ago and sorry. offering a discount on replacement batteries. You've got all the details. And later, Dan Nathan making a rare appearance at the pitcher's mound. One sock he's calling a home run for investors. Can he convince the other traders? Find out when he delivers his fast pitch. Much more fast when he's still ahead. <laughs> Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a news alert on Apple issuing an apology to its customers just moments ago. Josh Lipton's in San Francisco with the details. Hi, Josh. Melissa, Apple, we know, taking some heat over this issue with its batteries, the software update that impacted performance of some older iPhones, including, uh, we know, a number of lawsuits recently being filed. Well, Apple's now addressing that, uh, just publishing a letter to its customers on its website saying, we know that some of you feel Apple has let you down. We apologize. There's been a lot of misunderstanding about this issue, so we'd like to clarify and let you know about some changes we're making. First and foremost, we have never and would never do anything to intentionally shorten the life of any Apple product or degrade the user experience to drive customer upgrades. Our goal has always been to create products that our customers love and making iPhones last as long as possible is an important part of that. Now, beyond just the statement, Melissa, Apple saying it's going to take a couple of concrete steps here, some changes. One, Apple is going to cut the price of battery replacements by 50 bucks, so it goes from $79 to $29. That's for any anyone with an iPhone iPhone 6 or later starting next month. Also, Apple says early next year it's going to issue an iOS update uh, with new features, the point of which is going to give users more visibility into the health of their battery. Uh, remember, Apple did acknowledge that it made this iOS update um, the feature last year and that iPhones with older batteries were throttled, um, at least at specific times, to try to make sure they weren't overwhelmed and shut down. Uh, there were some tech analysts, though, who were on CNBC, I think on your show, though, Melissa, who said, listen, they thought Apple could have been um, more transparent, have communicated these changes um, a lot more clearly. Apple trying to take steps to do just that. Back to you. All right. Thanks a lot, Josh Lipton. In terms of being more transparent, you know, Apple finally came out and admitted this after an independent laboratory tested this, came out with the results on December 18th. And this apology comes the day after news that Apple's facing eight lawsuits, all of which are seeking class action status. Is this enough? Um it, it, it will be enough, mm -hmm. you know. And the thing is, this is something that people have been, you know, thinking about for years that this has been going on. I, I, here's one issue I would just say: that Flurry Analytics, a company, had um, a report about activis activations among iPhone users in the week before Christmas. Thirty percent of the total activations were 6S, um, six six plus, and you know that sort of thing. So the six family. So when you think about this, they're like they're still activating a lot of phones. People are like buying these cheaper phones now, especially with these new price points. So this is an issue about this battery. If it's not going to last, if the iOS 11 is not going to work well on these old phones. So to me, I think it's something that's going to make people consider, make make them consider Android phones. Was your expectation? I mean, the only <laughs> bad thing about that number is if the expectation was that that percent would be a lot lower and the activations of X and eight I, would be a lot higher. So is there is I that, that discrepancy? I mean, I think what's happened, I, I, from what I understand, is that the, the promotional activity on the seven has made the seven a very popular purchase around the holidays, and that, you know, no reason to buy the eight. Why would you buy the eight? There's very little there other than a, a better camera and a slightly better battery. Um, so you go for the 10, which there was component shortages, and I think this stretches out the whole cycle. I, I, Apple has to do some enormous things to lose trust right now, uh, and I think they've done a good enough job of explaining what they're intending to do. So when you talk about... Well, stretching out that cycle, mm -hmm. does it make you not want to 
be in Apple, or no. does it make you think twice about being in Any Apple? Any opportunities or it on, a, a, on a sell-off? Now let's let's remember the stock hit 177. Now it's 171. So uh, even though that, that is the high, it's six bucks off the high, I'm not so sure that I'm overly thinking right now this is a huge pullback. I'd if there was a pullback, I think it would create an opportunity. Katie Huberty talks about uh -huh. China and the adaptation of the 10 sure. and how fast that is. And actually, people are now, they're starting to see, in China at least, people switching away from different phones towards iPhones themselves. So if indeed that's what true and that holds Apple's up. lost market share in China over the last couple of years. I mean, and let me tell you the other thing is that, I mean, that, that's actually really not the case. When it's you the two-year cycle, Dan, that everybody's been talking about it's forever, It's a three-year right? cycle because they introduced the bigger phone, which was killed. It killed in China, okay, three years ago. So you may see a quick bump with the iPhone 10, and then it may do very similar what it did in 2016. And you may see double-digit year-over-year declines in sales. What's in your so here's decline? the question. Do you think Apple outperforms the S&P? That's the big decision for portfolio managers. You've got to get that right just the way you have to overweight or underweight sectors. Do you think it outperforms or underperforms the S&P? Market perform. Well, let's put I'm it this way. You're a market perform. like an underperform to me. You're an outperform. Quickly, there's a floor under the stock. Look, at, at, at minimum 13, 13 bucks a share next year in EPS. What do you, if you put a 13 multiple on it, and that's that's a light multiple for a company that now has much higher margins, has a services business. That, cash? Well, to me, this is a different company. Why is there a floor it's in not, it? It's, this, not, this it's not a hardware in the last company. Five in the years, way it was it's had two 45% peak to trough declines. Two. 45%. I mean, why is there a floor in the stock? Because I think the, the, the earnings potential of the company, uh, 13 times multiple, gives it puts it in kind of the bottom 40% of the multiple it's traded so in, in the last five years. So in September 2012, when it topped company. out, it was trading at 13 times. Okay. And then a year and a half ago, when it topped out, it was trading at 13 times. I'm just saying. Look, uh, when, so people, when people sold this stock, last word. When people sold the stock down, they were selling it down like it was the Palm Pilot, and they, all they did was hardware. <laughs> That's been proven incorrect. Thank you, Dan. Poor Palm Pilot. Still ahead, commodities are going wild, and the Commodities King himself says they could be your best bet in the new year. He'll tell us who the big winners and losers will be. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money and CNBC First in Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Think that was dramatic? Wait till you hear what legendary tech investor Roger McNamee has to say about Bitcoin. You won't want to miss it. Plus, I think you want to sell that. You sell it here. Then it's a sell right here. Dan Nathan is a hard man to convince. But will the traders on the desk return the favor when he steps up to the plate to pitch one stock that's up 35% from its low? Find out when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. I feel like something's missing. Yeah, it's kind of lonely The Bitcoin here. bug. Where is the Bitcoin bug? Ah, uh, right. few. Few. Much Although it looks take, a little take smaller it than um, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately for the bulls. So what is going on in the crypto market here? Bob is on his live at the New York Stock Exchange to break it all down. Hi, Bob. It's not a show about Bitcoin here. Another volatile day for Bitcoin in general. At one point, midday, the SIBO futures were halted for two minutes because they were down limit, 10%. The latest moves come as the South Korean government said it may implement new rules to regulate 
cryptocurrency trading. Those new regulations might include prohibiting anonymous trading accounts and could give authorities the ability to shut down exchanges. Huh? Now, this is important because much of the trading in Bitcoin occurs in Asia. In fact, half of all the volumes in Japan, essentially, another 5 to 10 percent is in South Korea. The United States makes up most of the rest of it. We've seen wild swings in Bitcoin in the last month as retail speculators have driven up the price from 10,000 a month ago to 20,000, then down to 11,000, and now back to roughly 14,000. But the action today suggests that in 2018, one of the biggest risks for Bitcoin is not speculative risk, it's regulatory risk. Regulators in many countries, but particularly the U.S., Japan, and South Korea, are going to have to decide how aggressive they want to be with Bitcoin. They will be guided by two developments. First, how big the market actually gets. Right now, the total value of all cryptocurrency is below $500 billion, way short of the roughly $28 trillion of the U.S. stock market or $38 trillion of the U.S. bond market. But if it gets bigger, say, 10 times bigger to $5 trillion, for example, there's no doubt they will step in with a lot more regulation. Also, number two, a major blowup in any of the cryptocurrencies or exchanges that leads to very large consumer losses will also likely force regulator hands. So don't let the fact that the Bitcoin cash market is unregulated mean regulators are helpless. Exchanges are licensed by states. So the, the, the state of New York, for example, licenses a number of the big exchanges, including Coinbase. And they're all subject to state laws that govern financial transactions. Back to you, Melissa. All right. Thank you very much, Bob Pisani. So should we expect even crazier price swings for Bitcoin come 2018? Let's ask tech legend Roger McNamee. He's the co-founder of Elevation Partners. Roger, good to see you. Great so, to see you, Melissa. So you think it's going to be even more volatile? Why? I sure hope so. I mean, the entertainment value alone is, is really something that can't be beat in the current environment. But, you know, you look at Bitcoin, and the thing that I would observe here is, as Bob said, it's still a very small market in the context of the larger financial world. But it has had a huge year, and we've done it around a speculative mania. And the thing that people forget is that if a mania goes on long enough, it becomes self-fulfilling. So that even after the crash that follows, there is a real industry. We saw that with the internet bubble. We've seen it over and over through American history. And I think that if you're a bull on Bitcoin, the thing you're hoping for is that it does exactly what Bob suggested, which mm -hmm. is it has another big run in 18, gets it to a level where it becomes important enough that people care and they start to, right. to have appropriate regulation. There's a lot of um, venture money uh, going into Bitcoin-related companies, whether they be exchanges like a Coinbase or companies built around using the blockchain technology. Does this interest you at all? Do you see this as sort of making, a, making its way, surviving this bubble? Well, as I said, Melissa, I think they, that when you start to see this level of activity around it, it can become self-fulfilling. I don't think we are there yet today at the current level. But with the level of activity going on, not just in Silicon Valley, but uh, as Bob said, in Asia, there's an extraordinary amount of activity going on in Asia, that there are a lot of people who, who are willing to invest the kind of dollars it takes to make a thing like Bitcoin into a long-term part of the financial markets. And... Again, I don't think we're there yet. And I think the big thing about 2018, Melissa, is that I think we're going to find out one way or the other. I don't think it's going to be the end of the story either way. But I do think that it's going to be a year where if you have volatility similar to 17, and I don't honestly see anything in the outlook that suggests we won't, 
uh, you're going to have these big swings up and presumably down as well. And uh, you know, wherever that settles out, I think will tell us a lot about so, the role of Bitcoin long term. It it's not my point. kind of thing, right. but I totally get why people like it. And you're not in it, right? You're not in Bitcoin, any no, of no, the cryptocurrencies, no, not. nothing. But but I'm an old guy, right? I mean, I'm looking you're at this and guy, I'm going. You're a tech guy, Roger. You're a tech it, guy, though, right? I you're on the cutting edge of things. I know, but this isn't tech. But this isn't this isn't cutting edge tech of the kind I'm interested in. I'm looking at technology that makes the world a better place, and I think that the cryptocurrencies, in particular, and the blockchain uh, as an underlying technology, are still looking for what I would characterize as the use case that makes society and the world a better so place. So you're not sold and I on think blockchain yet. If they don't yet. find that. You're not sold on blockchain Oh, no, not, yet. not as a business. No, right now, blockchain is a cool technology looking for applications besides right. Bitcoin. And, you know, hopefully it'll find them. I mean, I'm, you know, knock wood it will, because I think a lot of cool people are working on it. But for myself, I'm sitting there looking at this going, you know, I can own Apple at 13 times earnings. That's for what I'm looking for at my age and my situation. <laughs> that works for me. All right. Let's talk about Apple since you mentioned it. Um, they just issued an apology uh, about what's going on with their batteries and the software updates. They slashed the cost of the replacement battery. Is this enough? Are they avoiding the black eye or are the eight lawsuits seeking class action status no, going to outweigh that? I, I, first of all, I don't think I think this was really ham handed public relations on Apple's part. And they really somebody needs to get smacked around a little bit for for doing such a, a dumb communication strategy. The fundamental problem here is that Apple has a really positive thing for consumers in that it's made its operating system work with all the old phones. The problem is that the power consumption of the new operating system, the new functionality, is larger than what the phones were designed for. So they have to make all these changes, throttle them in order to keep the battery from either physically blowing up or just running out of juice after a few minutes. And there was a right way to communicate it. They totally blew it. But in the final analysis, this is not a big deal. And if it caused the stock to go down, that would be a tremendous buying opportunity. The way I look at Apple right now, they've got 13% of the global market here, but they've got a, you know, more than half of the profits in this space. Their brand is in really, really good shape. The stock's incredibly cheap. And it's impossible, in my mind, for the market to have a good year in 2018 without Apple also having a big year. And so I like Apple a lot as a proxy for the market. Hey, Roger, it's Tim. Simple question. Does Apple deserve a higher multiple or a lower multiple than it had five years ago? Well, I, you know, I'd say law of large numbers suggests lower. Uh, what's weird was it was grossly underpriced uh, five years ago. And so the, the apples to apples comparison is a little tricky to make here. The way I look at the valuation, I do not think valuation is a barrier to owning this stock any more than it would be a barrier to mm -hmm. owning the S&P 500. And it's a lot cheaper than the S&P 500. So I actually like the stock, like I said, better than anything else, uh, you know, in the leadership group of stocks. All right, Roger, right. we're going to leave it there. Happy New Year. Good to see you. Hey, Happy New Year to everybody. And listen, happy trading in, in 2018. I really kind of think that... For, in a trading mindset, things look beautiful now. It only gets tricky when you start to extend your time horizon, but knock wood, we're going to get through 2018 better than we started it. All right. Well said. Roger McNamee, thanks. Pete. He didn't sound very negative about all this rigmarole about Apple, right? I mean, it yeah. sure sounded like, and he said the same thing, it sounds like a great opportunity if there is sold off. It has not sold off at all yet, so I'm not even sure we're going to see a sell-off for Apple at you this point. You think we see a sell-off anytime soon for yeah, those people Apple? waiting? Yeah, people, I mean, no, I mean, people I like it's like a tempest in a teapot, as the expression goes. But, I mean, I think exactly what he said. I mean, the market and Apple are, are one and the market same. Market proxy. Right. Sure. 
and it's a cheaper market proxy. And I'm a market performer. Yes, we know Perfect. that. Perfect. That's what I said. <laughs> I said that on the last That's block. really well yeah. said by you. Still ahead. Still ahead. More Bitcoin. Commodities King Dennis Garman just uh, called it the silliest trade in the market. We'll find out what has him up in arms. Plus, Dan has made his way over to the plasma, warming up to pitch the one stock he is calling a screaming buy. Not a market perform, but a screaming buy. We'll give you a hint. It's up 35% from its recent low. The name with fast money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for an instant replay. Now, back in July, Dan said AT&T was headed higher. It looks like it just made a new 52-week low today. It's got some support down about 10%. The other thing is with that 5.5% dividend yield, I see about 10% worst-case scenario downside over the next year. That dividend yield is a nice cushion. So here at 36 bucks, I think you buy AT&T. I bought some today. Been a bumpy ride for the stock, but it's still up 8% since that call. So do you and, still and I it? think the same outfit, by the way. Obviously. That's fantastic. It's definitely the hemp Here's the thing. You know, I, I think at the time, you know, that mid-30s level um, was, was really a bottom. And it kind of tested that level on a few occasions over the last couple of months. So to me, I think at 40, you probably have some resistance here. And then you're waiting for news about the Time Warner deal. So I think you take the money and run on this one. All right. So since that first pitch worked out, Dan, why don't you go over there and see if you can top that one with your next fast pitch. If I can, I will. Okay. Here Here's what we're going to do here, people. We're going to look at something in the auto space. We're going to look at AutoNation here um, for a few reasons. Um, You know, back in November 2nd, the company um, released their fiscal Q3 results, and the stock the next day gapped up almost 15%. It wasn't really about the results. There were some hits because of the hurricane. It was about a deal that the company did with Alphabet's Waymo, their autonomous driving uh, unit here. This company has signed a multi-year agreement to service Waymo's fleet. There was no financial, no economic terms and that sort of thing. But to me, I'm going to call that, this is a Florida company, I'm going to call that a Florida hedge. This is a company that makes their money selling gas and people-powered automobiles and servicing them. So to me, I think doing this sort of hedge for all intents and purposes down an autonomous fleet to servicing those cars, to me, that speaks to the fact that they understand the potential headwinds to their business and they're going to go down parallel paths, gives them some optionality. Couple other really important reasons, tax cuts. We know that we just had this massive corporate tax cut from 39% at the high end down to 21%. Well, let me tell you something. AutoNation, which it's all of their sales here in the U.S., was basically paying 39% in taxes. Some analysts estimate that that $4 in earnings next year could be as high as $5 when you calculate the savings that they're going to have from taxes. And then the last one is valuation. Here's a stock that's trading about 12 and a half times expected fiscal 2018 EPS growth of 8%. I think that's cheap. If you put another dollar in earnings next on next year's earnings, uh, you get five bucks. You have a stock trading about 10 times. So to me, when I think about the potential for this tax bill to be cut for them, what it does to their valuation, and then you think about the optionality with this Waymo deal, I think autonomous driving is going to be a massive investment theme for years to come. And I think next year you may find stocks like AutoNation catch a bid. So to me, one last point, we have a chart here. This thing gapped up. It came back down. It's holding this line here. I think this is a good entry right here at 51 bucks. Carter's got a question. So Dan, you started with the gap and you ended the segment with the gap. You are a chartist 
True blue. Hey, listen, um, brother. That gap, I'll bet you, is 80% of your thesis. What do you think? Well, it was. I mean, the fact that it came back to that point, it looks like good support here. So to me, I think this is a, probably a good entry, especially as we enter into the new year. The stock has underperformed. It's only up 5%. So I want to look for stories that are underappreciated, that have good fundamental um, tailwinds, and then we can kind of make a fundamental slash valuation argument about it at good support. Yeah, and not surprisingly, your, your, your charting's good, your fundamentals are bad. I mean, you know, when I look at the Waymo thing, ultimately, won't the, the, the service and, and repairs are going to be led by the automakers. And, and if anything, I think this takes a huge hole out of the revenue. So it may be cheap for a reason. Okay, well, you just said a bunch of things. It's just like a word salad. I don't think you know what any of that is going to happen. So to I'm me, hungry. when what I think I, I about mean, a stock I'm, like GM, I'm tossing, I'm tossing right now. Tim, I mean, I don't think any of it made any sense. When you think about the rally in GM since September, it had a lot to do with what they're going to do around autonomous and EV and people re-rating the stock higher. That's what's going to happen to AutoNation next year. So you can listen to Tim and a bunch of jumbled words together, or you can look at my fundamentals, I think I look at my her. charting, and we can talk about <laughs> Big ideas, dude. I, I, look, I'm I'm going to the salad no bar more, after the no show. No more word salad. No more word salad. This was a good time. time to vote. It is time to vote. Carter, what do you say to Dan's pitch That's on AutoNation? Got, right here. Whoa, on its way to 60. On its way to so oh, that wow. would be a buy. Mr. Word Salad, vested Word Salad. What do you say? Just to show that I don't get emotional when I invest. I'm a buyer of AutoNation because I, I think the tax deal is massive for these guys. Uh, the auto space, that this is a significant part of disposable income for consumers. I like Eight. it for them. U.S.-centric taxes and Waymo actually is where you sold me. Giddy up, Dan. Well done and nice sell. Wow. I'm a buyer, baby. Clean <laughs> sweep, Dan. Buys all around. But are you out there Ooh. revving up your engine to buy AutoNation on Dan's fast pitch? You can vote right now in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We'll have the results <laughs> later in the show. Oh, that doesn't look oh, good so far. Oh, so vote. That's uh, still change. ahead, commodities gone crazy. Change. Dennis Garvin will join us next for his predictions on what direction the markets and Bitcoin are going in 2018. More Fast Money right after this. I think it was a salad. Welcome back to Fast Money. Commodities going wild this year. Copper, the big winner, soaring 32%, while silver and gold have also shined. Oil and gasoline trading at or near two-and-a-half-year highs. This as the dollar notches its worst performance since 2003. Now, going to 2018, which of these commodities should you keep buying? So who better to ask than the commodities king himself, Dennis Gartman. <laughs> Dennis, great to see you. Good to be seen. Thanks. <laughs> we want to play a little game of higher or lower with you, and we want to start yeah. it off with gold higher or lower by the end of 2018? By the end of 2018, gold is probably going to be higher. In the next two weeks, it might be lower. But by the end of the next year, higher. Why? A geopolitical risk going on, uh, probably a speeding up of commodity prices on, generally. I think that's something that is off of everybody's radar. Mm -hmm. But it is important uh, concern going on. You had a talk earlier on about uh, what was going on in, in, in potash. I think that tells you what's happening in agriculture. I think commodities generally are going higher. So a year from now, gold will be higher. All right, let's go to one of the big winners for the year, copper, higher or lower next year? Uh, by the end of the year, again, higher, but over the course of the next week or two, demonstrably lower. You, you have gone up, I think, what now, 17 or 18 days in a row. That's not sustainable, but the strength in copper tells you that the global economy, the plow horse economy of the rest of the world is moving up. So a year from now, copper's higher. Two weeks from now, it's lower. How about oil? Oil is, is interesting. I think in the, in the short term, oil wants to go uh, a little bit higher just because of the weather concerns and geopolitical risks. But because of what's going on 
as far as fracking and, and continue to finding new supplies of crude oil around the world, I think a year from now, crude oil could be demonstrably lower. And here's the big one, and I think I know what you're going to say, but I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> Bitcoin. Mm. Bitcoin, lower in the next two minutes, lower in the next two weeks, lower in the next two months, lower in the next two years. Why? Because when you came on and you called a tulip bulb mania and you called for yeah. you know it to implode, it didn't implode. It was just the it opposite. It didn't implode. So what no, is this lower no, I, call I, based on? The lower call is simply based that this really is a tulip bulb mania. I am a great bull on, on, on the, uh, the, the, the technology behind it. But when the public is involved in the manner in which they are, when you get on an airplane and people recognize you and the first thing they ask you about is Bitcoin, when the fellow pumping gas asks you about Bitcoin, when the shoe clerks of the world ask you about Bitcoin, Bitcoin is egregiously overvalued. Hey, Dennis, it's Carter. How are you? Um, foodstuffs. Carter, you know, I'm the, old and tired. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know. I, we're all uh, feeling it here, end of the year. What do you think about the laggards? You know, the, the softs, the grains, the things like cocoa. I mean, do you like these for a catch-up relative to the industrial metals? I, I think in the, in the case of the grains, yes, very much so. Uh, corn doesn't make new lows. Wheat doesn't make new lows. Soybeans are, are not making new lows and are being, are being uh, held up and, and rallied by uh, strengthened soybean meal. So if you made me buy one thing for the next year or two, I think the grains are probably the great place to take a look at. Softs, that's another, that, that's a, beyond my can. I don't watch what goes on in, in sugar that, that closely, nor in cocoa. But I, I do think that the grain market looks to me to be extremely oversold. And again, harking back to what Carter was talking about, about potash, that tells you that demand for, for fertilizer is there. And that's a very good sign for the agricultural markets generally. So be a buyer of... Be a buyer of wheat if you have a chance. All right. Uh, Dennis, great to see you. If we don't see you before, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody there. Thanks for having me on. This is 11 years on wow. Fast Money. Amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Dennis, good to see you. Thank you, Dennis Gartman of the world-renowned Gartman Letter. Um, what do you think of the call on, on Bitcoin? I'm just curious, well, Pete, because he said that it was... He's been negative on this the whole right, way, right. And, I, and, I, and to give him some credit as well, yes. it's his misunderstanding, he doesn't really fully embrace Bitcoin. Yeah. So he's fine if it goes up, he's fine if it goes down, he doesn't want to participate. Real quick on copper, though, I don't know that copper has to keep going up, because one of the points that he made was, well, copper's gone up 17 days in a row. I understand that, but what if copper just stays here? What if it consolidates at here three in the and three, half year three and a half year high? That's massively productive for the miners. Or pulls back even minorly. Is that enough These, for FCX? Well, that's what, in FCX with the calls, paper right? that we you, see in there, and it's been going on since the start of December, 15 different separate occasions. We have had monster option activity in here. Stock's gone up $4. These options have gone up 5, 10, 20 times. Yeah. It's amazing how fast this has moved as this has gone to the upside. And I think that's sustainable for the stock to continue to go as long as copper can hold up into these, right. this area. Well, one trader's betting the crude rally is just getting started. So, Dan, what are you seeing? Yeah, well, first things first. I mean, that chart looks like it's about to break out. But in the USO, the ETF that tracks uh, crude oil, um, today call volume was two times that of puts. There was one pretty large trade in the March 12 calls when the stock was trading at 11.90. The buyer at 24,000, uh, paying 38 cents. Those break even at 12.38, up only about 4% on March expiration. Um, we have a quick chart here. When you look at this thing, I mean, if it gets through there, um, that I think it's about a $12 level. Um, on USO, but it's also um, 60 on crude oil. Then we have a five-year. There is no resistance, uh, technical resistance for, you know, five, six, seven dollars there. So to me, this looks like a good dollar cheap way to play a breakout in crude oil. 
All right. For more options action, check out the full show. That's tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Still ahead, check out AutoNation. Ooh. Dan's fast pitch. It's actually moving higher in the after hour session. Attaboy. Attaboy. Well, well, I say that because so far the polls indicate that you're a big loser. But the stock is moving higher. That's a final arbiter, right? Stock market. Head to Twitter right now at CNBC Fast Money. Still time to vote. Plus, this toy stock did not make Santa's nice list. It has dropped more than 70% this year. Is it ready for a breakout or should you keep it on the shelf? That trade and much more ahead on Fast Money. Welcome back to Fast Money. Despite record spending this holiday season, it's been no fun in games for the toy stocks. According to a new note by UBS, sales for the toy industry have seen a 10% drop in December compared to last year. This, while toy giants Mattel and Hasbro have struggled since the Toys R Us bankruptcy back in September. Now, this year, shares of Mattel have, been, have tanked, falling nearly 44%, while rival Hasbro has managed to stay above the fray, up about 17%. Uh, Tim, I go to you. You're in Mattel. Yeah, so none of this is new news, and the question is how important is Toys R Us to the sector? when this is a product and direct to consumer through Amazon should be how people are buying the stuff. No question Mattel needs some help. Um, Barbie was strong at the holiday sales. Their inventories are under control. This is not a stock that's going to rocket higher, but it does have a takeover bid attached to it, uh, and I do think that some of that will hold. What do the charts look like? They're both pretty bad, but Mattel, of course, is down to the right for now three, four, five years. Its only hope is that it But goes. Hasbro's been a rocket. So, if, I mean, if, if things are so bad for the toy manufacturers, I mean, you know, well, it's been a rocket long Hasbro's term, but you're at a date, it's a new party, and it's also come down considerably last six months. But, I mean, the Mattel thing is like a game over unless they do something. Yeah, but are they even competing with each other anymore? Are they competing with Netflix? When you look around and you see what kids have in their hands, they have iPads or iPhones, and they're watching Netflix for $13 a month, and they're not buying plastic crap that's going to be the landfill. I think they're competing with each other. Look, I mean, Hasbro stole the Star Wars kind of franchising for the licensing of the toys business from Mattel, and it was a big loss. And I think a lot of that's in the price. All right, well... We have certainly had a lot of fun and games here on Fast Money. And as the year comes to a close, this is the last full hour show Has of the fun. year. We'd like to take a minute to look back at some of Fast Money's greatest moments of 2017. I got to tell you something. This show tonight we have, it's like one of them breakfast burritos. You ever have those things? It's no, a lot no. of great things wrapped up in a small oh, package. Man, and that's yeah. what tonight is. Oh. So the thing about options is really cool. There's usually an expiration. So in this one, it was January expiration. Why is your voice cracking, Peter? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm, I'm not going to be the guy on TV that has the sound clip saying greatest market of all time. Greatest market of all time. Greatest market of all time. Because you know it'll go just, straight down tomorrow. Just, so I disagree with everything that you just said. Let okay. me finish. Every single bit. Let me, okay. Even and and the. Yeah. Okay. Let me just finish. Should we invite Dan over? No. Eh. Are you kidding? Eh. Why would we? I'm coming. Nope. No. It, just because you're still in your parents' basement, I don't think you have to poo-poo the whole thing. Listen, listen, I've got a killer stereo system in that basement, so. Dunker Shane, darling, Dunker Shane. The only thing I've got is some chopsticks still in paper, and I'm really <laughs> waiting for my first course. Mike's at the Death Star. When did you go to the dark side, Mike? You've got feel? soft hands, Gee. You've been yeah, counting money, money all your, all your life. life. See, that's very good. <laughs> wow. I'm going to hold the food for you. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're going to yeah, 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 help yeah, me? Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Mel. Mmm. This is a market that goes I'm not, I'm sideways. I'm not sure whose chart handiwork I like better, but I think both shirts are equally ugly. I'm not even going to ask. It is a 
taken for granted here that Carter comes over. Carter, come on over. Carter comes over. Carter comes over. Oh, of course. Obviously. Too. Time for the final trade, Pete. It's going to keep going higher. The call buying's there. What I'm saying is all the stuff was still there. Last word. All that was there. I'm sure we can fight all night. We may. You might. I'll leave, but you guys can continue. Been quite a year, huh? And, we're still and we're fighting. The year we're still on this tonight. This is very appropriate. And Carter's back at the desk. No, but how good are the chopsticks? You're giddy up. Yeah. Just, the Mike, Chinese Mike, restaurant. Mike probably gets the MVP there with the chopsticks. Yeah. I mean, he might be there right now. Hey, you know what? He could be. <laughs> if he's lucky. Exactly. Up next, are you buying AutoNation? Oh. Are you on Dan's fast pitch? Or was his presentation worse than a used car salesman? Tell us. Head to Twitter right now. There's still time to vote in our poll, so go to Twitter and vote. We have got the results and the final trade right after this break. Welcome back. We've got the uh, drum roll going because it is time to find out if Dan was able to convince all of you out there to buy AutoNation. And Dan Nathan is sitting there all by himself. Because despite the stock being up in the after-hour session, it looks like you at home voted a hard no for Dan. It was a decisive vote. 69% of you said no. And here's one tweet that I got that sums it all out. I think, maybe. No, because I just don't like the guy. Uh, well, no. But, wait, 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 no, 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 wait the performance no, is so bad that we had to change the song. I mean, we usually have Tony Braxton, so well, it's, we had to go to really the listen, biggest people, margin of loss that we've ever seen. If you guys don't think that I know you hate me, fine. <laughs> we specifically did this today. So you can get it all out in 2017 and start 2018. Well, it'll come back and start the new year. They're going to love you in the new year. Sticking with financials, J.P. Morgan, this thing is going to go giddy up. Talked about recovery in the commodity space, MLPs, oil space, AMZA, A-M-Z-A-E-T-F. Carter. Potash, which is merged with Agrium. Mm. Long. Wow. Dan. Yeah, so I don't think you do a full position in the auto nation. You work into it. You start a little small. <laughs> they don't want any you know, position in the auto nation. Thanks, Carter, for sitting on the desk. It was a pleasure. Oh, awesome. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.